0: Welcome to the Aughts and Audibles podcast. I'm Matt Prame. Eric Scopel is on the show. Eric, how are you doing, sir? I'm,
1: I'm ecstatic
0: to answer some questions.
1: We've been wanting to do this uh, type of podcast for a while, and it felt like no better time than this week leading up to the, the kickoff classic uh, in Arlington, Texas against Auburn to do it. So we've got a handful, maybe maybe more than a handful, not quite two handfuls, but we've got a, a handful and a half, I would say, of questions here. Uh, from Oregon fans from from social media and from the website so uh, excited to get to answer some of these
0: yeah it's Mailbag Wednesday I think that's what we're going to call it I just made that up on the fly uh, how does that sound
1: oh, that sounds great you No, know, in retrospect maybe Mailbag Monday would make sure makes more sense from an alliteration perspective but I like Mailbag Wednesday let's, let's stick with it
0: okay uh, <laughs> <laughs> was not considering your opinion at all on that question but I asked Cle- it anyways. clearly yeah <laughs> Uh, you've got the first question, sir. It's on the floor to you.
1: Okay. Well, so, yeah, I, I, I've got a question here, and I thought we'd start out with just to sort of uh, exemplify how lighthearted this is going to be. I'm taking a question from one of our coworkers, Kevin Wade, and he asked, he asked, uh, how long would it take someone to sit in every seat in Autzen Stadium? And uh, I have no idea. But I think Great start our-
0: for the podcast. Our first question is someone from our own site. <laughs>
1: that's, 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 that's what we're here for on Mailbag uh, Wednesday. Uh, but no, I, I, think it's, I think it's actually kind of interesting thinking about that because in my head I was thinking that would take you like a couple of hours, but then I was doing the math. And if you oh, actually physically God, you thought
0: too long about
1: this. <laughs> well, I, well it's, it's better than not thinking at all, which is what I normally do. All right. <laughs> so I, I, I think it would take you roughly, I don't know, like 10 to 12 hours to do this type of thing, and I think you would probably have like major calf, calf and quad uh, uh, cramps. You might I could have to go into, might have to go to the hospital. Probably need some some water after doing this because you're talking about sitting in 60,000 seats. Um, I think that would take you like roughly half a day, and I don't know if you'd make it out of the stadium. I don't think you could walk out of the stadium afterwards.
0: I, I don't even
1: know. <laughs> you don't even know. Not even, I, take, not even gonna take that one seriously.
0: I, well, when we were doing the pre-show, and I, and I was like, "Hey, uh, you want to you wanna pick the, the questions in order?" I, this was like the bottom of my expected, <laughs> and we opened with this. Yeah,
1: well, and, and that's part of the fun. I, I, I figured I'd surprise you with something to uh, off the start there, <laughs> and, and clearly it went, it went great. So I'll, I'll move on to some more serious questions. I think it would take a
0: very long time. <laughs>
1: Take a very long time. I think that's a fair answer. That's probably the most accurate answer we can come up with. All right. From uh, Chris O'Connor, handle at Altman Fever. Uh, he's got two questions here. So he's kind of breaking the rules, but we'll let him do it because why not? We don't have any rules on this podcast because sure. we're just kind of making it up on the fly. Uh, question one what, What's been the biggest surprise from fall camp on offense and defense? Why don't you take offense and I'll take defense after?
0: Okay. I think um, offensively. I would have to say the fact that there was very little movement. This is surprises, right? Yeah. There was very little movement between the receiver positions outside of injuries. Like, obviously the first one hit early on, like the fourth day or fifth day of camp with Brendan Schooler. But you know, I was expecting we would see a lot of rotations, you know, Juwan Johnson working with the twos and you know Josh Delgado working with the ones and you know J.R. Waters, a freshman or Lance Wilhoy, you know, getting a lot of you know, getting not just one day, but like three or four or five days with the first team offense and just trying out combinations. And for the most part, everything we've seen, everything we've heard, it's just been consistent. It's been Juwan Johnson at receiver uh Jalen Red in the slot and then Johnny Johnson at receiver and then a little bit of you know, when Pittman was was healthy, he was with running a little bit with the ones and um everybody else was kind of in their place. Yeah,
1: defensively I I think the obvious answer is that safety position battle between Brady Breeze and Nick Pick. We talked about that so much. I think one thing that that stands out to me though is in the spring there was so much talk about the two true freshmen. Kayvon Thibodeau and, and Mikhail Wright both played really well in the spring game both had moments all spring were talked up a lot and it's been really quiet all fall uh, you know there hasn't been a lot of talk about those guys it's almost like they feel like they're they're veterans among the players or something and you know because typically you get into fall camp and there's just a lot of scuttle about different true freshmen we saw that with Micah Pittman Jamal Hill was you know defensively was the guy they talked about a lot early in camp the the, the uh, defensive interior defensive lineman with Keon Hudson and so Abapoti and Christian Williams uh, and uh, Brandon Dorliss, th- those guys were, were mentioned a lot, but we just haven't heard a lot of talk from players about those two players. Uh, we haven't, you know, and it's it's unfair because we, we've kind of had our access limited in terms of watching uh, practice recently, but we haven't really seen a ton from either of those guys either this fall. I think both guys, it's safe to say, will be playing, you know, against Auburn. I, I expect both guys are kind of like in that second that second string group. But I just think I was expecting there to be a lot of a little bit more, uh, uh, kind of hoopla. And, you know, it's just discussion about those two guys. And they've almost kind of feel like they've been lost in the shuffle. And and I can't tell if that's a really good thing. Like I said earlier, maybe they're just are, you know, performing at such a high level that they're, that there's no need to really talk about it. And that's kind of become the status quo or if it's kind of the opposite. So I don't know. That's something that has kind of taken me by surprise a little bit. Uh, and the second part of uh, at Altman Fevers question, uh, could you explain what type of recruiting things the staff is doing uh, that wasn't done before Mario arrived, and why it might be working?
0: I think it's uh, uh, just a, a three sixty five commitment to recruiting. Every single day, they are doing something for recruiting, and I think you know previously at you know the other staffs, and I don't want to say they just were lazy and they weren't doing anything, but you know I, I think there was this idea that. Hey, you know, we can spend an hour in, in June or in July, you know, doing recruiting and, and it would be okay, and or a couple hours and, and as a staff and we're good. Um, that's kind of not how the SCC operates. And Mario Cristobal, that's you know, he's cut his teeth there. I mean, he was an assistant at Alabama for a couple for more than a couple of years. He was a head coach in Florida at FIU, which granted, yeah, it's not in the SEC, but that's the SEC mantra down there. And he's surrounded by it and he has to recruit with that mentality because that's what every other school is doing down there. He, you know, came up through the ranks, you know, recruiting in that area when he was at other schools. And, and so I I think that's probably the biggest reason why Oregon is so successful is that it's a 365 job. Uh, and it's everybody. I mean, I remember when I first started covering Oregon, uh, back in 2009, Oregon had an assistant coach be the recruiting director. I mean, that's the position now that's its own position. I mean, there's, there's someone on staff, Kenny Sanders, his, his sole job is to lead the directing of recruiting and he's got four or five, six different staffers that work under him, which wasn't the case. 10 years ago at Oregon. So I think I think the time spent has helped. The amount of people that that's their sole job has increased. Um, And then, you know, stuff like Saturday Night Live. You know, the rest of the conference doesn't really do that. I mean, USC this year started a barbecue. Uh, After the first year of Saturday Night Live, Washington did something. But, you know, for the most part, and yeah, more and more schools are going to start doing it. But for the most part, you know, Oregon – will continue to, I think, pull in all the big names. I mean, USC had something, and Washington had something, and yet all the big players on the West Coast basically chose to go to Oregon or go somewhere out of the conference than than go to one of those other two schools.
1: Question three here from at BST Fitness 365. Does Herbert have what it takes to get Oregon back to, in quotes, the face of the Pac-12 this season? You know, I, I think he does, you know, and I, 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 we both have predicted Oregon is, is going to win the Pac-12 this season. We did our prediction show earlier in the week, uh, running through the conference and how we thought it was going to play out. Um, and I, and I, and I wrote and I've said it before, I think, I don't think that's possible unless Herbert puts in a great season. I really don't. You know, I think this team doesn't have a ton of holes, but the issues at wide receiver remain, you know, the, the lack of, I, I guess certainty at certain spots defensively in terms of like how high of a level can they play just because they, they, they are, you know, filling in a handful of sp- starting spots. I don't think Oregon can win 10, 11 games unless Justin Herbert is a really, really good quarterback and he's a Heisman type of candidate. And I don't think they can win this first game against Auburn unless he is either. So, uh, my answer is yes, because I, I, I think both of us think Oregon, you know, is going to win the conference this year. And like I said, I really just don't see it happening unless he takes a big step and he is, uh, you know, that proven big-time, strong-armed quarterback that shows up in the big, big moments. And and look, he's going to have to play, I think, at a really high level because you look at the schedule; they've got some really tough road games against some really good teams, and I don't think you win those games unless unless number ten plays, uh, you know, like a top five draft pick.
0: Yeah, I would agree. I think you go back and you look at what are Oregon's best games from, from last season. And I, I, look at Stanford. He was 26 of 33 for 346 yards and four touchdowns. I think of Washington against California. He was pretty good. He was 16 of 22 for 225. He didn't throw a touchdown pass though. Uh, against Washington against a very, very good defense. He was 18 of 32 for 202 yards and another touchdown. You know, but then he had games like Portland State. He was good. Bowling Green was weird. He was 11 of 26 for 292 yards and one touchdown. But I mean, he threw 15. He threw more incomplete passes than he completed. And yeah, his numbers were good, but he had a lot of just there weren't a lot of good you know, plays in that game from him consistently. Um, and and some of it had to do with his receivers dropping passes as well. But then you had. You had games at like Washington State where he was 25 for 44, um, you know, 24 for 48 the next week against Arizona. He only threw for 186 yards. Uh, at Oregon State, he got hurt, so you can't really falter that one because he and he was 10 of 14. Um, Michigan State, he was 19 of 33 for 166 yards, and I I just look at it and and think. When Oregon, when when he played really well, Oregon was really really good. And so, yeah, I, I think he has to play well for Oregon to to get to this level. Um, but I, I I do think he's going to do it. Um, and I I think he's got the talent, and I think he's he's improved enough. He he's gotten the the help around him at some at some spots some some players have improved a little bit around him but yeah you it, it's right I mean he has to play well he has to play at, at his highest for Oregon to you know to get to the point where they want to go this season. Um, and I, th- I think his perception would be a, would be even higher if, if there weren't so many drop balls that were you know easily catchable.
1: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news, Next question comes from at Robbie Parnes. Uh, what are the vibes on Brian Addison? He seems to have so much athletic ability and, and was such a big hit late in recruiting last year, but haven't heard his name much, even with a thinning wide receiver core. Uh, first off, Robbie, I don't know if it's fair to say you haven't heard his name much. I think he's actually been someone that has been spoken about quite a bit, especially recently with some of those injuries. We've talked about him certainly on the podcast um, Jovan Bonite and Mario Cristobal both mentioned him as prominent, prominently this, uh, last week, uh, in terms of kind of the caliber of guy he can be. Um, you look at the depth chart, he's, he's right there, you know, kind of as a second string player. Uh, I don't think, again, I don't think it's safe to say he, there hasn't been a lot of talk about him. I think there has been a fair amount in terms of the type of player he is. It's kind of hard to assess that based upon what we've seen in practice in, ter- in terms of like, we haven't seen him playing, uh, in a game situation we haven't seen him uh you know really outside of a couple of jump balls and practice and stuff this fall we haven't seen a ton of him. i think athletically he does stand out you look at him in his frame and and the way he can go and attack the football i think he's one of the big question marks for this game because i think if he's able to come out and play at a high level that really opens things up for this wide receiver core um just because there's so many question marks he's a guy that i think you circle as one of those must play at a high level you agree with that matt
0: yeah, I, I think so. I think this is a guy that um Chris been very high on him. Yeah, it seems like for months. Part of that was because at the very end of the season, he was going you know, nuts about him, um, and then now it's you know then there was a, just a long delay. But be their top receiver. He doesn't have to be their number two or or even their number three. He right. just has to be on the on the field consistently. And he has to make a couple plays every game. Um, I think there was a lot of talk uh, about him in camp, and then it kind of died off a little bit. But I think that's kind of because we focus so much on Micah Pittman. We then focus on injuries. Um, I'm really interested to see how him and Juwan Johnson and the tandem of them being on the field together works with Juwan right. in the slot. And a lot of that's going to depend on um, Mike uh, Brian Addison being being able to play. I think he he's gonna have a role in this team. I think he's gonna be you know a guy that can maybe start a couple games, especially now that Micah Pittman's hurt. Um, but he's he's gonna have to play well for Oregon to win. Next
1: question actually sort of ties into one of my biggest surprises from fall camp. Um, from at D underscore forty four some initial buzz from KT KT being Kayvon Thibodeau at the beginning of camp, but not much as of late. my uneducated dots. Are he a little undersized and may need a year or two with Coach Feld before he really makes an impact? Your thoughts? Uh, I, I, you know, it's hard to, it's again, it's a little hard to gauge the physical part. I, I will say he, he didn't really gain as much weight as I kind of thought he might in the offseason. He did come in a little bit lean. They list him now at, at 6'5", 242. He's, he's on the depth chart at defensive end. He, he did move around a little bit, played a little stud. Uh, but it looks like he settled in. Uh, with his with his hand in the dirt at defensive end, backing up uh, Gus Cumberlander. But I, I, I'll be very curious to see. I think, again, I, him and Mikael Wright, it will be very curious to see just how those guys perform in that opener. Be, because like I said earlier, there just hasn't been a ton of buzz. You know, there hasn't, you know, and people have asked about Kayvon. You know, uh, I remember after, I think it was the second scrimmage, uh, the KZI reporter asked Mario a couple of questions about Thibodeau and not, not, I don't want to say Mario skirted the questions or didn't want to answer them, but he, he certainly wasn't as, he had an opportunity to really praise Kayvon, you know what I mean? And I don't think he really accepted that or really took it as like a, and maybe that's a psychological thing. Maybe maybe they want to make right. sure that they, that they know, you know, he's a former five-star recruit and came in with all these expectations and accolades and they want to make sure he has to earn it. But uh, that, that has been something really interesting. And I, I do think, and Matt, I'll, take, I'll get your take on this one in terms of, his his body, I, I do think he's 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 a little leaner than I was thinking. I thought he was going to be closer to 255 or something uh, by this point in, in, in camp just because he did come in in the spring, and he weighed roughly the same amount.
0: Well, I, I'm still confused about what position he plays. Yeah. Because he's on the depth chart. At, and by the way, the depth chart just got released, and we'll have something on this later on in the week. But the depth chart got released. He's listed as a defensive end. He's right. worked out almost exclusively from when we're in practice at outside linebacker. Yep. Mario Cristobal during fall camp said that they're just trying to move guys around, see who fits where and get the best 11. You ask Andy Avalos about it and there's no, there's no change. That, that's what Andy <laughs> Avalos said. Uh, so I, I said this on a podcast elsewhere, um, or a, an interview elsewhere and it's kind of, I'm curious just to see where he fits in that, right. in the defense because he's, it's not a negative that he's bouncing around so much. And maybe that speaks, you know, highly of how versatile he could be for Oregon's defense. Um, just trying to figure out where he, he fits exactly. I, I think he'll have a role. I think he's going to be, you know, one of the, I have him as one of the top freshmen that will play this season for Oregon. Um, I just, until we really know where his, you know, his starting point is on this defense. I think there's a lot of questions, and not in a negative way, but just right. who, where his, where does he fit? What does he do well? What, what is his role? What is his responsibilities?
1: Yeah, and and we should mention that access has been cut a little bit from from us the last couple of weeks, and that may be in part because of moving guys around like Thibodeau and, and kind of masking where they're gonna play him a little bit. And I agree. He, he, I watched defensive practices. I don't think I saw him work with the defensive line group once in fall camp from when we watched. Um, and again, things could have changed recently, but that, I agree. That's a, that's a huge question mark. All right. Uh, I think we got time for probably one more question here. From at Josh Hardin underscore four, how should the Oregon defense attack the Auburn offense and their freshman quarterback? I say contain the con, – and this is him saying I'm not. He's answering his own question for us, but we'll also answer afterwards. Uh, Josh goes on to say, I say contain with the edges and get pressure up the middle. Our secondary has the talent to man up. Auburn's pass catchers to free up blitzers I think I'll be very very curious just this is the first time we should mention that we're going to see Andy Avalos's defense and you know we Oregon I guess did see it when they played Boise State a couple years ago in the bowl game and and it it worked really well against Oregon Um, but I I will be very curious I'm I'm sure they're going to do a lot of things creatively especially when you're going against a true freshman quarterback I'm going to guess they're going to bring blitzes from all over the field and uh, I think they're going to try to pressure him a lot and see what he can do. And I think they're also going to have to be aware of the fact that if you listen to yesterday's podcast with Brandon Marcello from Auburn Undercover, this guy can really run. You know, Brandon said in the podcast he had, I think, the second fastest 40 time from a quarterback. I forget if it was this decade or what exactly the timeline was for that. But uh this is a guy, Bo Nix is a guy who can really run and he can really move. So, you do have to be careful if you if you come at him from a bunch of different spots. If he can evade that blitz and get out of the pocket, now he's got a lot of room to run, and you've got guys behind him trying to catch him. And if he's a guy who can who can run away from guys, that becomes problematic. So I think there's going to be have to be a little bit of you to be careful. I think in terms of how aggressively you want to pressure him, just because if he does have these these instincts and and his ability to make plays with his legs, you don't want to you don't want to put yourself in a situation where you blitz him, he evades the rush and then just gets upfield and runs 30 yards downfield. So I'll be very curious But I do think they have to be really aggressive. Do you agree with that, Matt?
0: Yeah, I would I would a hundred percent think that um organ needs to go quickly. Don't you know they they need to make Bo Nix think very quick. Right. And don't give him time to process and, and you know may have force him to to trust his reads that he just learned. You know, a year, you know, less than a year ago in, in this system. And I understand that he's, you know, played in a high school system that emulates what Auburn does. Um, but I, I think you need to force him to, you know, make quick decisions and get after him fast. And how you do that, that's going to be. The, the, the question of, of, of the day or the game from a defensive standpoint, I think, for Oregon is because the new defense with Andy Avalos and, you know, the, the bodies that they have, I think they're going to do a, a it in a variety of different ways. I think we could see some stunting. I think we could see some, some shifting. Um, I think we could see some exotic blitz packages. I think we could see all-out blitzes. I think we could see, you know, guys, you know, show blitz and everyone back off. I think that's what you're going to want to do is create just the ultimate confusion if you can and get after Bo Nix to force him to make quick decisions because if you're not confident in your in your game and you, you then get forced to make quick, quick decisions, that's where turnovers happen. And that's where you can flip the field. That's where you can get a pick six or you can get a fumble that puts your offense in scoring position and, and instead of being up, seven to three, now all of a sudden you're up 14 to three and Auburn's coming back out with no momentum going, you know, their direction and the offense is stalled and, you know, you're putting more and more <clears throat> pressure on a freshman quarterback. Um, I, I think that's what you're going to have to do. And I, I would agree probably it's probably every defensive standpoint, hey, don't get out leveraged. You know, right. don't let the offense, you know, outflank you and get beyond your containment so yeah the defensive ends and the, the edge rushers they need to come off and um contain bo Nicks within the pocket so that the rest of the defense can kind of suffocate and and trap him in
1: you know i think one one other one thought i just had here that was interesting from our, our talk with brandon yesterday was just that he he kind of said he didn't know how much Bra- that bo Nicks would even throw the football you know he said uh he, he was thinking he'd maybe throw 15, 16 pass attempts the whole game, and uh, it might be a thing where he's, that, that the passing game really isn't a big part of what Auburn's trying to do, just because they are dealing with a true freshman quarterback who does have the ability to run, so it'll be really interesting to see how much of an op- opportunity they even give him to throw the football, I mean, and Brandon could have been wrong, and, and we could be wrong in even saying this because they might come out and they might have Nick's throw the ball 30, 40 times, and if Oregon gets ahead, that probably is what they're going to have to do anyway, but It'll be interesting to see kind of how Auburn chooses to attack Oregon's uh, defense, just as it'll be interesting to see how Andy Avalos chooses to attack the true freshman quarterback and get after him.
0: I think that's going to do it for us on the Ops and Audibles podcast mailbag edition, Wednesday mailbag. Um, thank you for all those guys that sent us questions. Um, and, and ladies didn't mean to be gender specific there. Just, uh, thank you for everyone that, that, sent us messages. Um, we'll do this every Wednesday moving forward. So if you didn't get your question in today uh, for this episode, continue to sh- shoot us messages on Twitter, on our um, Duck Territory uh, private messages. If you want, you can post it on the message board. Uh, you could track Eric down in the middle of the street and find him and tell him you need questions answered about Oregon football. Please uh, do that. Do that, please. I would yes. love to see that. Uh, you can find us at football games and ask us questions there too. Please don't do that. Um but but really, really enjoy doing this. We'll do this again every week. Uh for Eric Scopel and myself, Matt Prame, Thanks for listening to a mailbag edition of the Odds and Audibles Podcast. We'll talk to you soon.
1: Adios amigos.